Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the World Series rolls on. The final NASCAR race of the season is here. Who will take home the championship? Steve Nash's first coaching gig goes up in flames. What's next for Nash and the Nets? The NFL trade deadline came and went. Who improved and who did not? The initial college football rankings have been released. Oklahoma State gets smoked in Manhattan. Recapping last week's college football games and previewing Week 10's biggest games. With that, I give you our Chief Bar Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Yep, good to be here on a Wednesday night in Delaware, Ohio, on Matt's basement, live in the studio. Uh, yeah, World Series. You know, we all picked, we thought this was going to be over early. Well, it might be, but I don't think it was a team that we thought it would be going forward. Uh, you know, the Phillies, you know, we did mention that Bryce Harper was getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, he's had six home runs in 14 games, 13 RBIs so far, hitting 382 in the postseason. So, yeah, at, uh, you know, 30 years old, showing he can still get it done in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, you know, like Dad said, Phillies. Phillies are up two two to one now in the series after they uh, you know skunked the Astros last night you know seven to nothing hit hit five bombs in that in that game and five different guys yeah five yeah. different guys hitting five you know five home runs and yeah ran ran the Astros out of the out of the park before before you knew it um, so I mean yeah this is big you know it, obviously we knew you know the Phillies were going to have to bring their offense bring their A game you know on the offensive side of the ball and you know so far through three games they've they've, they've done that mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah I mean their bats were on fire game one they won six to five but then game two uh cooled they, off. They cooled off a little bit but yeah game three they came back right with a vengeance there seven seven nothing I mean that there's not much you can do when a right. team's hitting like that yeah um, right well I mean you know first pitch he sees last night he smashed right yeah you know, with Schwarber on base so right you know I think I think you know obviously game three got got rescheduled because of you know because of rain delay or whatever so now they're you know somewhat playing back to back to back and I I think at this point that that probably favors the the Phillies I think more more than the Astros just because the Phillies this whole playoffs have used that momentum or have used like Mm. their home crowd to you know really push themselves or propel themselves in the playoffs and so now being able to stay hot and, you know, play back to back with, you know, without, you know, a day in between or, you know, a couple of days in between, I think really does favor, you know, favor the Phillies because they're, they're hot again, you know, in yeah, a playoff. Hot, and the Astros are real and they just went yeah. to a game where they scored no runs right. at all. Yeah, now they're looking for answers and, you know, scratching their head and, you know, hoping that they can get, you know, get back on the, you know, on the right path. But yeah, I think it's uh, definitely the momentum has swung, you know, in the, in the favor of the Phillies right now, but, you know, if there's a if there's a team that can swing the momentum back, it's it's this Houston Astros team that just you know you never can can you know doubt them. I guess because they Can't won count them out. they they won 106 games in the regular season and they didn't do that by you know being a bad team or you right. know being a slouch. So I, I think you know it, it definitely you know comes down to this this game four here. What what happens? You know if 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 the Astros can get get this one back, I think that they have a real shot to, to keep themselves alive, go, you know, go down three to one and have to play game, you know, game five in Philadelphia as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a tough, a tough task. Yeah. Well, you know, and hats off to the, to the pitching last night too, you know, five pitchers scattered five hits and a shutout, right. like Matt said, um, you know, you can't, you can't take that away from the, from the Phillies uh, pitching staff and the, and turning it, flipping it around to the other side, those top five hitters and that, 
They went one for 18 last night mm. on that Astros lineup yeah. in the game they won. The top five hitters went six for 18. Right. So, you right. know, it's, it's their, you know, they're, they're, they're not getting production. Now the guys that, you know, produced all season long. So right. uh, tonight they go back at it. You know, uh, Philly send Nola back to the mound. He had a bad outing in game one, mm-hmm. you know, only pitched four and a third, gave up six hits and five runs, but that yep. was it. Yep. After that, they got blank. So, right. right. And, uh, uh, let's see. Astros are sending Christian Javier to the to the mound. He's eleven and nine at two point five four ERA. So you know he's he's a uh, solid pitcher as well. So we'll see how this goes tonight. Yeah, I think if you would have said, I mean, if you look at it, all of the pitching or you know all of their their starting aces. I mean, Verlander got tagged, you know, in game one. I mean, he obviously has not pitched very well in the in the World Series. Uh, you know, his ERA is up above six when he pitched, you know, pitching in the World Series. Um, so he got tagged for, you know, quite a few runs himself in game one. And then, you know, game game two and, <clears throat> you know, game game one and game two, then for the Phillies aces and, you know, Aaron Nola and then Zach Wheeler, they got tagged for, you know, 10 runs apiece. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess if you would have said that or, you know, I, I guess, yeah, it's anybody's ball game. I guess they're relying on their, you know, third and, and fourth, you know, uh, starters to really get this, get this thing done for them. So I don't, I don't think anybody could have, could have saw that coming or, you right. know, would have, would have seen that coming. So it's, uh, yeah, interesting that, you know, the Phillies two aces, you know, they got tagged for, you know, multiple runs, but they're the one leading, leading the series here. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see what happens. I think, um, you know, I, I kind of looked ahead, you know, obviously dad talked about the pitching matchups for, for game four. Um, but, you know, looking at game five, then it looks like uh, Verlander is going to go back to the mound for him on, on game five, you know, could be, could be interesting if they're down, you know, three to one and, 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 you know, Verlander, got like I said, extra days rest because of the rain. Out, right. So. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, historically, like I said, historically, Verlander has not pitched very well in the, in the world. I mean, he's been lights out in pretty much every other, you know, part of the game, regular season playoffs, whatever. But when it comes to the world series, man, he just, he doesn't, it doesn't have it when it comes to the world series. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, do they change that? Do they keep that going mm-hmm. into game five, depending on what, you know, what happens tonight? Do they, do they switch it to, to, you know, their other pitcher that, that pitched so well for them in game game two and, you know, see what they can do or do they stick, yeah, stick with, stick with Verlander who's been there, you know, been their ace through, through the, through the season and, through most of these playoffs. I, I would guess they would stick with him, but it'd be a real short they'll, leash. Yeah, yeah, they'll keep right. a close eye on him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll see. Obviously, like I said, they're playing, you know, game four, game four tonight here in about, you know, 45 minutes or so. So we'll see yeah. what uh, what will happen and, you know, see who might, uh, you know, by our next show, we'll be talking about who's who's holding up that, that commissioner's trophy. Right, so right. <clears throat> All right. Well, we'll also be talking about who your new NASCAR champion is uh, by this time next week. Um, Final race this weekend in Phoenix. Um, did you see what Ross Chastain did? did yeah, you? I didn't think uh, most of America on, did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it just lit the world on fire. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it, that was the craziest thing. Is like a rabbit that the that the gray the electronic rabbit that the uh, greyhounds are chasing mm-hmm. around the rail. There. Yeah, looks like something out of a out of a video game or yeah. you know something like that. Well, something. that's where he said he learned it on EA Sports. Oh, so there you go. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but right. he, he knew he had to get a whole ahead uh, of Denny Hamlin mm-hmm. to make it into the chase. And he slams his car up against the wall and just mashes the throttle and lets just the, rubs let, it all the way. Let's the, let's the, you know, lets the rail do the steering for him. And uh, <laughs> yeah. wound up passing Denny Hamlin. He went from 
tenth or fifth in the right. last wow. inning. Passed more than just Denny Hamlin. Passed <laughs> yeah. almost half the field there yeah, and, right. and on on some yeah, said, wacky they stuff. They said it's the fastest lap ever at, at uh, Martinsville. Mm. So, <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah, yeah. who, who so, would have thought? You know, running into the wall would be. So so he gets himself in. So now you got you got four guys left. You got Chris Bell. Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, and Chastain, mm-hmm. uh, 27, 30, and 28, and 29 years old. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you're talking the young guns yeah. for the most part in NASCAR. Um, Phoenix is a one mile low bank trioval. Um, and the first race back in March, actually Chastain came in second huh, in interesting. the first race back in, back in March. Blaney was fourth, Bell was 26th and Kyle Larson was 34th. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't. I think he had a DNF. I don't think he finished. So okay. it's shaping up to be a, uh, an interesting run here this this last race in Phoenix. Yeah, obviously the the you know the driver that'll take it home is the the driver that you know leads the most laps or you know finishes the highest you know in the in the standings you know in this final race. I mean they don't necessarily have to have to win. It's just you know how high do you how high do you finish in the in but, the final? But then we make the point that every year that. They, since they've done the playoffs, the guy that has won, won it has race. also won the last race. Yep, so yep, yeah. They know so, what they're racing for. Right, yeah. I think that it makes it, you know, that much more more competitive. Um, so we'll see. You know, that's a that's a good good stat there that you know one of the guys in the in the final four here had had a pretty good showing the last time they raced here. So we'll and see one if he guy can. Had a pretty bad show. Right. So. so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I mean, after you know, after the the group of eight, the the four drivers that that got eliminated, you know, Dad talked about you know Denny Hamlin you know, got knocked out. William Byron was another one, Ryan Blaney, and then Chase Briscoe was, was the other driver that, that got knocked out of there. So, um, yeah, I think I had a different final four. I okay. Think, I think Rob was looking at, uh, Xfinity possibly. Okay. I, I think, oh, did I? It, I think I've got Joey Logano, oh, Christopher yeah, yeah, Bell, yeah, Ross right. Chastain, and Chase Elliott. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, so Joey Logano is the guy that, yeah, filling in or, you know, taking the spot then for, for Kyle Larson there. Um, so, obviously, Joey Logano is an older older guy there. He's kind of the out – of, out of those four guys, kind of yeah, the elder the, statesman, if you will. Um, yeah. So, we'll see, you know, if that, he can use that to his advantage to, you know, do well in this in this final race. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, <clears throat> be, you know, interesting to see what, uh, what happens out there out west. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Logano gets here winning three races on the season. Chris Bell's also got three wins on the season. Chastain's got two. Elliot though he's he's got five wins on the season so mm-hmm. he's coming in as what should look like the heavy favorite but throughout this playoffs he hasn't won any races mm-hmm. um you got Logano he's won one Bell's won one and then like I said Elliot and uh, Chastain neither of them have really won any they've right. just raced points, well enough points wise yeah so, so I mean you know with that big that big you know gamble I guess that he took is Chastain you know I don't know if they're can really be momentum or something in NASCAR, but at, at this point, I don't think lightning can strike twice. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, glad that it worked out for him in Martinsville. I'm not sure that that maneuver is going to, no. going to work out, you know, all the time, but just, you know, yeah, I, I think all of them have to feel good about their chances for different reasons though. Like I said, you know, Christopher Bell and Joe Lugano, they're both racing pretty well right now, but then you look at like Chastain, the last time these guys all went in Phoenix, he finished second. Yeah. Uh, Logano was eighth, Elliott was 11th, and Bell was 26th. Right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, he, he should feel pretty confident right. that he's finished better at the same track right. more recently. Right. So, yeah, you know, it, they should all have kind of reason to believe that they have a good shot yeah. to win this. And I think that makes it makes it interesting or makes it even more, you know, competitive because, I mean, if you, you look at it last year, I mean, Kyle Larson pretty much dominated the whole regular season, pretty much dominated mm-hmm. the playoffs and, you know, wind up winning, you know, winning the championship and, 
I mean, people would say that, yeah, he was pretty much the odds on favorite, yeah. you know, to win it all here. I, I think it's somewhat, you know, a mixed, a mixed bag, if you will. And I think, you know, that, that makes it that much more interesting for, mm-hmm. for Phoenix. And I was kind of looking at something before, before the show, apparently a, a sold out crowd in, in Phoenix in the grandstand. So we'll see, right. you know, hopefully you know, that's, that's a good thing or, you know, hopefully trending in the right direction for, for NASCAR. All right. We'll switch it up now a little bit. Uh, still saying staying in professional ranks, but a little bit NBA news. Uh, Steve Ma- Steve Nash is out in Brooklyn <laughs> after just eight games, uh, a two and six start. Um, give me your guys' thought. Too soon? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think. <laughs> If I'm Steve Nash, I might be looking at this as a blessing. Honestly, uh-huh. I mean, uh, his 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 you know short stint there in in Brooklyn has been filled with nothing but on the on the court and off the drama, court drama, issues. Drama. You know, just kind of a I don't think you can say anything less than a than a roller coaster of up and down. You know, kind of emotions. I mean, uh, he you know <clears throat> making mega trades. I mean, obviously Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, you know, pair up to come there. You know, Steve Nash gets hired as a, as the coach one year after they they make their you know debut for Brooklyn. They trade for James Harden in 2020-2021 season. Later, you know, later next year they trade for Ben Simmons, who wouldn't make his Nets debut until this year. So almost took a full you know year, almost two years away from basketball. Um, and then you know you just look at look at injuries. I mean. Kevin Durant and Kyrie have not played more than 60 games since they've been with, with Brooklyn, Um, you know, and then this past off season, both Kyrie and Kevin Durant both requested trades to leave Brooklyn. So I think just, yeah, it may be a a blessing in disguise. I mean, maybe not the most ideal situation for Steve Nash in his, in his first gig. Well, Durant called for, he wanted Steve Nash fired back (laughs) over the summer. Right. And that's, what's weird about this timing now to me, like they've clearly picked Durant over Nash. So why did they just do it before the season started? Now, now why, the GM why did say that, that no players were consulted in mm-hmm. this. I, yeah. I got to find that a little hard to believe. Maybe right. I'm a little skeptical of that, but um, yeah. And then, you know, and then Durant surprised that Nash got fired mm-hmm. after calling for him to be fired. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously some, some decent success that, you know, Steve Nash had obviously probably not what they were expecting with the, you know, all-star loaded team that they, that they had. I mean, but like you already mentioned with all the injuries and all the drama for, right. for the guy to go 94 and 67 in his career there yeah. that, I mean, as his first coaching, gig, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, obviously the Nets fans are, you know, Nets organization, you know, I think that, I think the big blemish that you can somewhat look at is, you know, in the two full seasons that, you know, that Steve Nash, you know, kind of coached, they made, made the playoffs, you know, in those two full seasons, but they only won one playoff series. I mean, as, as star talented as, you know, loaded as that team has been when it came to playoffs, they, you know, weren't able to get it done. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Nets fans and Nets organization had, you know, major big expectations for this team, you know, not just in the Eastern conference, but, you know, NBA wide. And, And I think, like I said, I, I think it just the expectations fell short of the mm-hmm. expectations. You know, look at all the injuries and all that stuff. But you know, I think at, at the same time, I think Steve Nash maybe you know find himself in a better better situation mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think he'll be unemployed for long. Right, but, right. Um, have you heard that? That I was just kind of astonished that I heard that you know Yudoka that might be getting picked as his replacement, right? The next next guy in line, which, right? Which I you know I have I don't I don't think that's that's not cool to me mm-hmm. on, on Brooklyn's part. The guy is suspended for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, 
from Boston and, and, uh, you know, but I guess that was a team rule that he violated. So it wasn't a, wasn't an NBA thing, wasn't a commissioner thing. So well, and I guess Boston does still have, they would have to give the permission for this to happen because he's still technically, he's suspended by them, but he's still technically under contract. I, I think they'll wash every, every, and they have, they, yeah. I, I've heard they've already said, you yeah. want them, you can have them. Right. And I, I, I've heard that it wasn't just, I mean, just wasn't Brooklyn. I mean, if there was any team that would have been mm-hmm. coming calling, they would have been more than happy to let Sounds him. Sounds like he burned him, his bridges. Yeah, there. let him let and him I'm go. And I'm sorry to hear that because I, you know, I had high hopes for him mm-hmm. coming in. You no, know. I don't mean first season as the Celtics. I mean, went to the NBA Finals. Right, obviously, right. lost to Golden State. I mean, he can't ask yeah. for much better than that, other right. than winning the whole thing. But right. I think at the same time, you know, it, it coming back to Brooklyn. If if he does, um, you know, there are some ties there. He was the mm-hmm. assistant coach yes. for one year under Steve Nash before you know making his jump to jump to Boston there to be the, be the head coach. So I, I think, you know, <clears throat> familiarity within the organization. And, and I, I guess, you know, the two priorities that probably the Nets organization is looking for is shoring up the Nets defensively. I looked at the stats the other day, the Nets are giving up. I mean, obviously very small sample size, but are giving up like 120 some points a game. Ooh. Like, Holy yeah. That that's a lot, even for NBA, NBA standards. But then also I think just to be able to, kind of rein in those those all-stars or kind of rein in all those different egos. I think, you know, Udoka obviously having familiarity with with Durant and Irving and all the the guys there, you know, in the Nets organization. I think that's that's the two things that they're looking for by bringing in Udoka. We'll see if they, you know, if that happens or how that, you know, if they're able to, you know, make it work. Um, but I'm also hearing the former Jazz uh, head coach Quinn Snyder is also, you know, kind of on a short list of possible mm-hmm. possible guys All to right. bring in as well. So, All right, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. Uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. And we're back. All right, we're going to stay in the professional ranks this time. A little bit of football news: the NFL trade deadline has came and went. Um, uh, give me your winners and your losers. Yeah, I think uh, before we before we get started, I think uh, I just I saw something that was kind of kind of interesting. You know, after the trade deadline was was you know all said and done, we had a total of 20, 20 different players that were you know traded, um, and then an NFL record. 10 trades were made the on day. the last day. Yeah, so I read that, too. that was, uh, you know, pretty interesting or pretty, pretty neat to see. So if you like chaos or, you know, like, like mixing it up, you know, this was the trade deadline for, for that. But I guess I'll, I'll kick it off here and I'll, I'll start with my, with my winner. And I think that's the, uh, the Miami Dolphins there in the, in the AFC East. I mean, currently sitting at five and three overall and, and two and one in the, in the AFC, AFC East, which is good for, you know, tied for second in their, in their division and their sixth in the AFC, which would, you know, be good enough to make the playoffs if it were to, were to start today. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're somewhat pretty, pretty early or about at the midway point here of the, of the season. But, um, you know, the dolphins, you know, they traded away running back chase Edmonds, a 2023 first round pick, a 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 fourth round pick. 
And in return, they got defensive end Bradley Chubb, running back Jeff Wilson Jr., and a 2025 fifth-round pick. Um, you know, Chubb was a first-round pick back in 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so far in his career, he's got 26 sacks. This year alone has five and a, five and a half sacks there for, for the Denver Broncos. But I think the the key will be can he can he stay healthy um, out of a possible seventy three games he's only appeared in forty nine of those games so if he can stay healthy you know stay you know stay you know uh, on the field there for Miami I think he'll be you know a, a major asset to them um, and here's here's the reasons why uh, through eight weeks in the season the Dolphins are giving up twenty eight they're twenty eighth in the league in yards per pass um, a little over seven yards a pass. 25th in, in sack rate, which is 5.2, good for 5.2%. So they're giving up a lot of, you know, giving up big yardage through the air and, and you know, don't have a ton of sacks, you know, through through the season. And I think adding a pass rusher like Bradley Chubb will help them, you know, help that secondary not have to defend as long and, and allow them to, you know, get to the quarterback and make things uncomfortable for them. So I think, uh, you know, with that, with those couple additions, um, you know, with the Dolphins, I think that, you know, makes them somewhat competitors, not only in their, in their division, but, but in the AFC. <clears throat> yeah. You know, me looking at this, I, I picked a different team, but for a lot of the same reasons you just mentioned, picked the Baltimore Ravens it's a team with <laughs> championship aspirations, but their defense hasn't been a championship defense. Mm-hmm. They went out and got one of the top defensive players available in Roquan Smith from the Chicago bears. Yep. And, you know, I, I think that'll really help shore up that defense. I, you know, he'll be that anchor there from the linebacker spot. And, and that, that's going to be huge for them. I think that's going to give them the boost, especially in, in the division they're in. Yeah, it, it's very winnable. Up and down. So they, yeah. you know, they yeah. they can take that run with it and get into the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Right, so, right. You know, especially with the type quarterback they have under center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is a great addition for them. All right. I uh, I agree with you, Matt. That's who I picked as my a team that I picked as my winner. Like you said, Rokos went leading the league in tackles at 83, and 44 of those are solo tackles. So. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy's a good open field tackler, obviously, and, you know, add two and a half sacks and two interceptions on top of those stats for that. So, yeah, I, I like the Ravens pick up there. And then that'll be that linebacker that you're used to seeing, you know, with the Ravens organization. With the Ravens organization. Now, my player, I picked a player as my winner, mm-hmm. um, and I got to go with TJ Hawkinson. Right. Um, he uh, goes one day he's on the – Last place, one win Lions. The next day, he's on the first place Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> who just lost their tight end to injury. So, right. you know, he gets, uh, you know, that Irv Smith got, I think, was an ankle injury or lower leg injury. So, um, you know, he comes in walking into, you know, he doesn't have to worry about competing for his job. He's, you know, he's going to be the tight end going forward. And you go from first place to last place. It don't get much better than that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I didn't really pick a pick a winning winning player, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of switch it over to my loser, you know, loser team, if you will, or team that kind of missed the boat on on the trade deadline. And I'm um, I'm sure probably many people agree. Um, and that's that's the Green Bay Green Bay Packers in my that's who in I my, got in my mind. Um, they did nothing. Yeah, yeah, they're they're three and five right now. They're one and you know what's helping them out is their division is is pretty pretty weak. Right. Uh, so I mean they can still somewhat turn it around and you know have a chance. Obviously Minnesota's you know sitting there at the top of the division mm-hmm. by pretty wide margin. Um, but you know they're they're currently 11th in the NFC, which would be you know nowhere near making the playoffs. Uh, but you know they they desperately 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 needed help on the offensive side of the a ball wide receiver. And, and, and saw 
you know, and it's kind of kind of ironic. They saw two of their you know rivals in their own division pick up two big targets that could have helped them in their you know in their passing game in their you know offense. Um, they come in come into this you know eight weeks in the season. They're 17th in total offense, 22nd in passing yards, and 26th in total scoring in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Rodgers is still you know playing okay, but he's not putting up the numbers that we're used to seeing. I mean, he's he's got I think thir- he just doesn't have the weapons, right? He's got 13 touchdowns and four four ints, um, but you know we're used to seeing him at this mark. You know, have almost 20 touchdowns or you know close yeah. to 30 touchdowns by now. You know, and like I said. It, it probably burns even more. You see two two big, you know, wide receiver Chase Claypool makes his way to Chicago, and then you know Dad talked about you know T.J. Hawkinson making his way to Minnesota. And, and I heard they were interested yeah. in Claypool. And, and both I've heard both of those. They, you know, were, I didn't they hear were, about Hawkinson, yeah. but I knew they were interested in Claypool. <laughs> and you know, here's a guy that he's not been. I don't think that sure-handed receiver like a Cooper Cup or you know somebody like that, but. He's a guy that can stretch the field, mm-hmm. and I big, think you know, big and that's what they're missing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah, I had the Green Bay's, I had Packers as the biggest loser. Yeah, well. you guys both just talked about Chase Claypool, and I'll go back to the winning winning player, and mm-hmm. it was really Justin Fields in this deal because he, he finally gets himself <laughs> he gets a, a receiver player. that right. you know can make make big plays right. for him. So I, I I felt Fields actually got a big win there, even mm-hmm. though he lost a lot of his defense. Right. It doesn't really affect him right. per se. May help it, his it, development. It's going to help his development to finally get a receiver to throw the ball to. Right. The losing team, though, I had to go with the Denver Broncos. This team came into the season thinking yeah. they had a shot at the Super Bowl after they got Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and they've just been nothing but awful so mm-hmm. far this year. Now they've traded off their best defensive player. Mm-hmm. They're, they're selling this thing. They're, so is it I think, yard, I think they're yard done. sale time for I, the Broncos? Yeah, I don't Russell know. Russell Wilson's not working out the way they yeah. – I mean, obviously they ain't yard selling Russell Wilson. They just right. you know signed him to a big extension. Field, so I think it, right. it'll definitely be some retooling in yeah. the offseason. So. All right. Well, I got a – Another player I thought was a, a big loser, and uh, you know, no fault of his own, but that's Kareem Hunt. Um, you right. know, same player. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> We're wanted, all on the same path here. Yeah, he's wanted <laughs> traded. You know, since back before the season started. You know, he's he's stuck on a two and five Browns team and playing behind Nick Chubb, and you know, it's a team that they're on life support and they're hoping their miracle cure is going to be when Deshaun Watson comes back after his 11 game suspension. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid the season's going to be so out of reach by then that it's not, you know, they can win out when he comes back and it's not going to make yeah, any difference. Right, right. So, you know, that that's, is the biggest loser. I, uh, unfortunately for him, I, I picked Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think in, uh, it, it's funny because, uh, I actually saw some comments before the show that he was saying like, Oh, you know, now I want to be here. Like I want to finish my career in Cleveland. I, I, I don't think he'd be saying that if he actually did get traded, it would be wherever he gets traded. It's like, Oh, I'm glad to be here with right. this organization. I want to win a super bowl, you know, make the playoff, you know, whatever. It, it's just, yeah. Awfully ironic that, yeah, he doesn't get traded and you know, they don't trade him. They, when he made his initial, you know, trade request at you know beginning of the season, the Browns were like, yeah, not going to happen kind of thing. So now it's like, all right, now I got to make a PR PR stunt here and and just you know say I want to be here. Same I want to you know be be with Nick Chubb, be that you know compliment to him or you know whatever. So yeah, I found that found that kind of kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, we'll see what 
what happens going forward. I mean, the Browns did have a, you know, a beat down of the Bengals. On they Monday did. And actually, you know, and uh, Chubb was the, you know, the catalyst of that. And I got to say, Jacoby Brissett looked really good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was through some good ball. His receiver, I don't know what, I don't know what Cincinnati's defense was doing. Mm-hmm. Their guys were, their guys were wide open. open. Yeah. I mean, I could have thrown some of them <laughs> yeah. for completions because there wasn't anybody within 15 yards of them. Right. So, I don't know. They had some definite breakdowns in the in the in the defensive backfield. Yeah. So we'll see if that you know momentum can you know keep keep going for the Browns and you know if they can keep it somewhat afloat until Deshaun Watson and then we'll obviously see what what happens with with all that. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on to the amateur ranks. More football, but now we're going to NCAA. Uh, the initial uh, playoff rankings came out for the first time last night. Um, what do you think? Did the committee get it right so far? Yeah, I don't know. I'll just kind of run through top 10 here just to give, you know, the folks folks at home, you know, kind of an idea if you, if you haven't seen the rankings yet. Right now we got Tennessee at number – Tennessee Volunteers at number one, the Ohio State Buckeyes at number two, Georgia at number three, Clemson at number four, uh, Michigan at, at five, uh, Alabama at six, number seven, TCU, uh, eight, Oregon Ducks, uh, nine, the USC Trojans, and number 10, Coming at uh, the LSU LSU Tigers, so uh, that's kind of the kind of the top ten there, um, fellas. What what do you think about that? Well, that was a little. Uh, go, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I I don't think it's way off, but I, no. I, I think there's some slight movement that could be made. I really I'm a Buckeye fan, but I think Georgia should probably be ahead of the Buckeyes. Georgia, you know, early this season they knocked off Oregon. Mm-hmm. The Buckeyes haven't really played that tough of a schedule mm-hmm. at this point. The yeah. best team they've beaten has been Penn State, and right. they're not even in the top 10, mm-hmm. 15. So. Yeah. You know, I, I I think Georgia deserves that respect right now. They're going to drop after this week, or, or them or Tennessee, whoever right. loses that game is right. going to drop anyway. Right. But but for this first ranking, I think Georgia really probably deserved the two spot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Michigan probably should have been over Clemson, just yeah. ju- judging you know, by how they played. Michigan has blown everybody out. They've done exactly what they're supposed to do. Right. Clemson struggled a lot this year. They've mm-hmm. won a lot of close games. Yeah. A lot of back and forth, and I, I, you know, they made that same reasoning for TCU on why they put them at seven and in Alabama at six because TCU's struggled. They've been behind, had to come back, Mm -hmm. but they don't use that same reasoning when they talk about Clemson and Michigan. So, you know, it's, they're all over the place like Mm -hmm. usual, but it's not bad. I think it's a good first. I think I was a little, uh, obviously as a Michigan fan, I was a little perturbed when I first, but as I, you know, calmed, calmed myself down a little bit and, you know, let my, my maize and blue kind of, fade a little bit <laughs> yeah. started looking at it for more of, of an objective standpoint um you know michigan's only played one ranked opponent mm-hmm. um penn state and they did beat them and they beat them pretty good mm-hmm. but their their preseason schedule was like playing yeah. high school teams mm-hmm. and they beat them and they beat them handily and they should have i but i think what hurt michigan was only beating maryland by seven points in the yeah. first first game of the big 10 season mm-hmm. you only beat maryland by seven points um, Clemson has beaten three ranked teams this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been close games, Matt. I give you that. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I was surprised that Tennessee jumped all the way to number one. Mm-hmm. But they've um, got the best win out of they any do. team on here. They right do. Now they do. I'm yeah. not. Yeah, I'm not taking. And then I was a little surprised at LSU at six and two. That but, to me is the shocker. Of- <laughs> but they just beat Ole Miss last week. You know, last week forty five to twenty. So, yeah. I don't know. TCU. I thought maybe had a shot to get in at that number six spot over mm-hmm. Alabama. I don't know. Um, but it's, it, it really at this point doesn't make any difference as a Michigan fan. We got it. We got to win out. Yeah. I take mean, care of business and, and you ain't got to worry. And that about wouldn't it. matter if we were ranked 
first or fifth, we've still got to win out to mm -hmm. get in. I think the Big Ten's probably going to get screwed because, uh, you know, you got Al or uh, Tennessee and Georgia this weekend. Obviously, somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, mm -hmm. but I think probably both of them will stay somewhat closer and then in if, that. If, and then if Clemson winds up winning out, winning the ACC, then I think yeah. even if Ohio State and Michigan play to a close game, obviously somebody's going to lose but and win, but I think a Big Ten gets bumped out. Yeah, the loser, that's out. It's, yeah. it's, it's, so, it's going to be the conference yeah, championship. So, so I think for Ohio State and Michigan, either one, to get in, you got to you you take you care of business. Go for, you know, an over in your loss column. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, it's just, you know, just win, baby. I You're guess right. that's what it boils I mean, down it, to. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because, I mean, you look at it. I mean, the SEC has multiple ways of possibly getting yeah. two, two, three teams in this thing because right. of, you know, and, and I'm not – or Alabama could sneak their right. Way back they're they're there. right there, you know, on the outside looking in. They and, got a know, big game this week. You know, LSU's right there, and yeah, to me that's that's kind of a you know a big surprise. I mean, in you know the big games that LSU has played, they've looked you know pretty pretty bad. Obviously, they had the big win last week against you know against Ole Miss, but outside of that, they've looked to me have been somewhat of a up and down roller coaster, right. and to be. A six and two team that you know is they sitting at number, Florida State, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's sitting at number ten. That's a bad loss. Um, you know, it, it's yeah, it, it's strange to me that they're ranked that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be in this top twenty five, but ten. Yeah, this is that artificial SEC. We're gonna <laughs> pump that conference right to the moon. Yeah, yeah I try not to be. <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> the the big one for me then is the the you know looking outside the the, the power five. Then you got two lane the two lane green wave at, at seven and one currently nineteenth. You know, they're the highest ranked non-Power 5, you know, um, mm -hmm. conference, you know, uh, opponent, or not opponent, but team there. Um, but they could possibly make their, you know, make some noise or move up. They still got their two biggest games left on the season. They play Cincinnati and they play UCF, which are the two other really good schools in their, in their conference. Mm -hmm. So that'll either, you know, kind of make or break their mm -hmm. season. So we'll see, you know, if they can win those games. I'm not saying they're making their way to the, you know, the top four, but you know, maybe they sneak their way up there to, you know, potentially top make 10, a, a yeah. new year's six bowl or, you right. know, something like that. So yeah, we'll see, absolutely. see what, I what think they for can the do. most part. They it's pretty, yeah. pretty close. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, on to our games from last week. I think you guys both went four and one last yep. week. Um, <laughs> I went three and two first game out, out of the shoot, uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Wow. Uh, you know, Tennessee, I guess maybe, you know, Hendon Hooker, I'll tell you what, man, he is making his case for Heisman. Yeah, I'll yes. tell you what, you know, threw three more touchdowns, ran for another one. And on the flip side, you know, Will Levis threw three picks. Um, you know, they, they scored that touchdown in the first quarter and didn't make any noise after that. So. His campaign, though, will be made or broken this week, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I think also, you know, just a, just a quick shout-out there to the, to the wide receiver and, and Jalen Hyatt. Um, he's broke – Broke the Tennessee uh, single season record for touchdown catches with 14, and we still got you know four or five games left to go. So right. we'll see what what he can do. But he's been red hot, you know, here the last you know several weeks, um, and and been the you know go to target there for for Hendon Hooker. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Obviously, yeah. To me, it was another great performance by Hendon Hooker. You know, mm -hmm. not so great performance for for Will Levis and you know that Kentucky defense who we thought you know might give him a real shot still just couldn't hold up to, you know, that high-powered Tennessee offense. And really just shout out to Tennessee as a whole. This whole team seems to be getting better and better every week. And their defense looked great. They held Kentucky to a total of 205 yards, which is like 100 yards 10 years ago right, in, right, in yeah. college football. You right. know, that, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. Forced three 
three turnovers, had yeah. four sacks. I mean, that defense came to play. Right, and we it, thought that was their weakness, right. or, you know, their their thing that you know may and hold them back. But just you know, maybe, maybe they're getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, we had Cincinnati and UCF. Um, UCF pulled it out 25-21. I think this is one that I got wrong that you guys both got right. Um, and I had high hopes. Bearcats took the lead, scored a touchdown with about three minutes to go, but then, you know, let UCF come. I mean, they went right down, right the, down field. the field. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they put up 505 yards. They had two turnovers, UCF did, but 505 yards of offense. Right. And Cincinnati just couldn't slow them down. And I, you know, we thought that that would be – what might turn this game was, you know, Cincinnati's defense, but evidently they just weren't weren't up to the task. Yeah, right? and UCF's offense was just so balanced in this game too. They passed for two forty seven, rushed for two fifty eight. You know, almost identical numbers mm-hmm. there on, mm-hmm. on the ground and through the air. So, yeah. if you can get an offensive effort like that, it, you're, you are tough to stop because the other team has no idea what you're bringing. Yeah, yeah, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, I think I think Cincinnati or UCF's defense was able to make Cincinnati one dimensional. You talk about the rushing yards. You know, mm-hmm. UCF had 258. Cincinnati only had 35 yeah. rushing yards. I mean, that yeah. really limits your offense when you can only do one thing. I mean, UCF then you know was able to key in on that, and I think that's why they were able to limit you know Cincinnati to only you know handful of touchdowns there, and you know get just enough from their offense to to, to pull out a victory. All right. Uh, then I, I just in the way I had them written down was I had the OSU Penn State game next. Ohio State wound up uh, winning forty four thirty one. You know, didn't quite cover the spread. Um, you know, Penn State they they had a chance to be in this game, but yeah, you can't turn the, you can't turn the ball over four times in your own territory against a team like Ohio State and expect to win. Penn State outgained them and had more first downs than than Ohio State did, but, you know, still lost by 13 points. But those mistakes were just just killer. Too I much, mean, too just, much to overcome. I mean, and one of them was a pick six on right. top of that. So, right. I mean, that's and, obviously – And most of it was all one, one guy. Dude, right? Oh, what a game yeah. he had. Yeah, Paleo, uh, a so how, I can't even pronounce his last name. But <laughs> right. Man, yeah. He's yeah, what a heck game. Of a player. Yeah, what absolutely. Um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, that was, that was the difference for me, you know, in this one. I mean – CJ Stroud, you know, had another, you know, pretty decent game or whatever. But, you know, that was my key coming into this game is mm-hmm. I trusted Stroud more than I trusted, you know, Clifford. And yeah. he threw three picks and, you know, yeah. it, it showed. Yeah. Um, Stroud didn't do anything to hurt him, but he, right. he really didn't have a, a Stroud-like he, game. He, he, did. he only he really threw for didn't. one touchdown. But, I mean, yeah. once again, when you don't – I know it seemed like he was overthrowing guys <laughs> a lot. I don't yeah. know, you know, I don't know what the – why that may be playing, you know, at Penn State, I don't know. But it like I, he, I felt like in this game, Day was really trying to establish a run game, but right. he just couldn't get, couldn't get going. going. He never did really and get I, that going. I, I felt like he needed to just get get going with the pass game, mm-hmm. use the pass to set up the run mm-hmm. instead of the traditional run to set up the pass. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I guess it's a w. Come, come to fourth quarter, it, it finally it did start rolling because yeah. the, the offense – was really able to mix it up, able to do some stuff. Yeah, there absolutely. Uh, All right. Then I had uh, the Michigan Michigan State game next. Um, you know, Michigan went into this game a, a high favorite. Uh, Twenty, they then they covered um, barely. Um, they won twenty nine to seven. Um, I think the spread was twenty one and a half. So twenty one, twenty two, something yeah, like that. So yeah. They, they covered. Um, but the thing that concerned me with Michigan was we had to kick five field goals. Yeah. That to me. Is not going to wash when you get into a, a game like Ohio State, um, you know. But, but again, Michigan State—they came out, scored a touchdown in the first quarter, and then that was Nothing. it. That was and, it. And, you know, you talk about the rush game. Um, 
with the in that Cincinnati game, Michigan State ran the ball for 37 yards <laughs> yeah. total. Michigan ran for 276. Another great game for Blake Corum at 177 yards of offense for yeah. him. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then I mean, it seems to be a trend here for the Michigan defense at least the last you know several weeks that they that they've played. It, it seems like. They always give like an opening touchdown or they always let the team march down there and score mm-hmm. on like the opening drive. And then that's, that's it. Like that's, that's the, the final straw. Settle they in, they yeah. settle in and, you know, figure it out. And that's all the team's able to do. I guess that's probably a good, you know, a good thing to have. I mean, at the time it's like, man, our defense is going to get run out of the gym here, or run right. out of, run off the field here if we don't figure it out. But then, like I said, they, they just seem to flip a switch and, you know, figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can say anything other than just, you know, total domination by, you know, Michigan on, on both sides of the both sides of the ball. You know, that is concerning, you know, kicking five field goals and sort of converting some of those into, into touchdowns. Obviously going to have to get a little bit more creative. A couple of get... those were deep in the red zone, right, too. Right. You know, first and goal inside the 10. So, you know, uh, that that's kind of concerning as a Michigan fan. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I chalked that first quarter up to the, just the first quarter jitters mm-hmm. and a big rivalry game that, you know, you, you've lost recently multiple times to these right. guys. So I, I think it meant a lot to them. I, I think they were kind of overthinking it there in that first quarter. But once they got rolling, there was no turning back. They just dominated Michigan State. And yeah. it's just sad that the big news of that game was – more after, after the game, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. unfortunate situation. <clears throat> um, and the last game that I think all surprised of us, everyone, all of us. Yeah. And not only was it a loss for Oklahoma State, Huge. it was a destruction. Yes, they had three turnovers, only ran the ball for fifty-four yards, and absolutely got rung up by Kansas Kansas State, forty-eight to nothing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know more anymore. You say, I mean, they just yeah, Oklahoma State played horrible Kansas State played lights out I mean and and you know we're doing it with a back you know their backup QB came in um you know and and played you know enough to get it done but those you know those three turnovers uh that that Oklahoma State you know obviously give Kansas State short field you know short position and it seemed like also you know some of these turnovers Oklahoma State was like moving the ball and then a turnover popped up and it you know obviously kills the driver you know kills the momentum and then couple plays later, Kansas State's marching down the field, you know, scoring touchdowns. So it's just like, yeah, Oklahoma State is obviously one to one to forget, move on from, and, you know, not you know, put it in the books. So. Yeah, yeah I, I had um, – they had four total turnovers, three sacks, <laughs> mm-hmm. and only 217 yards for Oklahoma State. That, yeah. That's just – that's not going to get it done against yeah. anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, on to this week's games. Uh, first on my uh, notes here, I got uh, 23 Oregon State at 6-2. and two. Playing a, an unranked Washington team at six and two, but Washington's the favorite by four and a half points. Um, you know that this is, I think, to me, comes down to to, to quarterback play. You know, uh, Chance Nolan there for Oregon State, seven TDs and eight picks for the, on the season, and DJ or I mean Michael Penix Jr., twenty-two D, TDs against only four picks. They're putting up 508 yards of offense a game and 380 of that's through the air. Mm-hmm. I like I like the Huskies. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know home 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 field advantage or home crowd. I think it's going to play a little bit into this. But you know one thing to one thing to look at here is uh, you know weather could weather could play a factor in this one. And you know looking at the forecast, roughly 80 percent chance of rain and possibly up to 20 mile an hour winds. If that's the case, I think that maybe favors Oregon State. They're a little bit more balanced on offense, able to run the ball a little bit, a little bit better. 
Whereas, you know, on the flip side, Washington, they want to sling that thing around, you know, Michael Penix throwing for over almost 300 yards a game. I mean, the guy is, you know, doing, doing it all for, for, for Washington. So weather will play a factor, but ultimately I think even if the weather is playing, I think it'll be a little bit closer, closer game that way. But I think Washington at the end of the day gets it, gets it done. Yeah. I'm, I'm with both of you. I, I think Washington, they're the favorite and I think they, they get it done. I, the, I think it's going to be as close as Fred says it's going to be, but I'm giving Washington the edge just because of third down rating. I think they're going to have more more attempts with the ball. They get they convert 54% of their third downs wow. compared to Oregon State yeah. only uh, completing 42%. Mm-hmm. So that's going to give them extra drives. It's going to extend mm-hmm. drives. They're going to control the clock a little more, and that's going to be enough to get it done. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> next game, let's see. Alabama 7-1, ranked six in the country. Going into LSU, ranked 15th at 6-2. and two. This is a – that's a big game for both of these teams. Uh, obviously, playoff uh, implications here, I think, for both teams. Um, you know, and I don't know. Alabama, I think, with being able to, you know, Bryce Young looks healthy. He looks good. Um, and and yet they're gaining 210 yards on the ground. They got a running back that's averaging almost seven yards a carry. I think that's too much for LSU. I got I got the tide winning this one. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna have to agree with that. I mean, the, the the spread maybe a little bit too much. Alabama almost a two touchdown favorite in this one. I don't know about that. I mean, Alabama has struggled on the road so far. You know this this season. Uh, you know, tough place to play there in in uh, you know Death Valley there for for LSU. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I think ultimately yeah, Alabama gets gets it done. They they get the win. Last two times that, that Alabama and LSU have faced each other. Alabama has outrushed LSU 546 to 110. I think that's the difference maker in, in this one. They got a you know stud running back there in Jameer Gibbs for for Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think he's the difference maker, not only on the rushing, but he can you got to watch him out of the backfield because he's he's a you know a receiver out of that backfield too. So I think just too much dynamic there for for LSU. I think Alabama gets it win, but doesn't doesn't cover the spread. Yeah, look, looking at this, Alabama's better in almost every statistical category, and they really seem to get refocused after that loss to Tennessee. I, I think that's huge for them. I, I think Saban's got them back to playing the way they need to. I think Alabama wins this, but I, I agree. I think it'll be a little less than the spread. <clears throat> both both teams coming off a bye um, in this one, too, so that'll be, be interesting. interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next on the list, I got number five, Clemson, coming in at 8-0, going – going to Notre Dame at five and three. Um, Clemson's only favored by three and a half points in this game, Mm -hmm. um, which I was a little surprised. You know, they get the love and sneak into the top four, but then, you know, number four team in the country is only favored by three and a half points Mm -hmm. against a a Notre Dame team that's picked it up here in the last couple weeks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, know, Clemson's got Will Shipley uh, averaging six yards a carry. They've beaten three ranked teams so far this season. Uh, quarterback play. I love DJ over Pine any day of the week. I got the Tigers winning this going away. All right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Dad nailed it there. I mean, Notre Dame obviously coming into this game somewhat riding an emotional high, mm-hmm. if you will. I mean, last last their past two games, they've scored 41 or more more points. But I think this Clemson team's a little bit, little bit different animal than what they've seen the past, you know, past couple of weeks. Um, you know, for me, the difference maker in this uh, was a wild stat that I – that I found Notre Dame is only one of two teams in college football to allow opponents to score on a hundred percent of their red zone trips. So every single time a team, you know, gets in the red zone, they, they score, you know, it didn't, they didn't really distinguish if that was touchdown or field goal, but 
doesn't matter. They're giving up points whenever right. they get in the red zone. So if Clemson, you know, can march the ball, move the ball against that against that defense, they got a real shot at you know putting some points on the board. I just don't know that Notre Dame's going to be able to keep keep up or you know keep scoring points at the rate that they had the last couple of weeks. Does help that they get to play at home, but I like Clemson Clemson to win this one. <clears throat> yeah, I think a lot of the reason for this four point spread is is simply because of what Notre Dame did to Syracuse last week. They won forty one to twenty four compared to what Clemson did, only winning 27 to 21. Mm -hmm. So I I think they're taking a little stock into that game, but they all got to remember Clemson and Syracuse are two completely different teams. Clemson's heads and tails better. I know they didn't really show it when they played them on the field, but there's just so much more talent there. Mm -hmm. I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to keep up. Clemson wins this game. All right. Uh, Wake Forest at 21 at 6-2, going against a 6-2 North Carolina State team ranked 22. Um, Wake Forest has split against two ranked teams this season. Um, North Carolina State, both ranked teams that they played against, they got beat by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Wake, one of those losses that, or that one loss of against a ranked team on Wake Forest was that double overtime loss to Clemson. Um, you know, they got they got Wake Forest by four and a half. I think I like I like Wake Forest. I like the Demon Deacons. Yeah, absolutely. This this Wake Forest team is putting up points in bunches and, you know, moving the ball. Uh, they come into this averaging almost 40 points a game, almost uh, 450 total yards of, of offense. Um, you know, their quarterback, Sam Hartman, is thrown for over 2,000 yards, uh, 22 passing touchdowns and only six six INTs. So, uh, you know, and on the flip side, North Carolina State's they've started two different quarterbacks, you know, after their starter went down for the, for the year, you know, <clears throat> the guy that they brought in last week, you know, he played played pretty well. I think he'll get the start in uh, MJ MJ Morris. I think he'll get the the start, but I think it'll be a short leash if he, you know, isn't able to, you know, move the ball or you know has some turnovers or you know whatnot. They may you know flip quarterbacks, and I just you know a team that's got questions at you know an important position. I think North Carolina State defense can keep them in this one or you know keep them close, but. Ultimately, Wake Forest, you know, they, they know what they got on offense. They can put up points. I think Wake Forest right. gets it done. Yeah, you know, I, if you could put North Carolina State's defense and Wake Forest's offense together into one team, you'd have a top five team in the <laughs> right. country. Yeah. But, you know, I just North Carolina State's defense is going to play really well in this game just like they always do, but their offense isn't going to put up enough points. Wake Forest is going to win a close one. Yeah, okay, yeah. very good. Um, yeah, I think, you know, North Carolina State, I think everybody had high hopes for them coming in, but – Losing that starting quarterback, yeah, you know, really, has really, really been an issue for them. Mm-hmm. So I saved the big game for the last one. Uh, you know, Tennessee and Georgia. What else can you say? Um, Georgia's favored by eight points. They're both eight and zero. Georgia's defense has only given up two hundred and sixty-two yards a game. Um, I don't know. They're Tennessee's defense is, but I, I, I mean, the thing that you got to look at for Tennessee, they're putting up over 550 yards of offense a game. Mm-hmm. Um, they've beaten five ranked teams this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Hendon Hooker, 21 touchdowns, one, one pick. <coughs> I, man, I, this is, this is a tough one to call, but I think um, I got to give it to the Bulldogs since they're playing at home. I'm going Georgia to beat, to beat, uh, Tennessee yeah absolutely and you know we we talk about that Tennessee defense I mean they're obviously coming off an impressive game for you know against Kentucky I mean but if you look at it even with that game they're giving up over 300 yards through the through the air which is Mm -hmm. 127th out of 131 possible teams but that may also be a little bit deceptive at the same time Um, you know kind of went a little dived a little bit deeper into those stats 
They're only giving up about six yards per pass per pass attempt, which is middle of the road, you know, um, you know, amongst the amongst the teams and, you know, giving up less than less than 10 yards per, you know, kind of completion there. Um, so I think those numbers are, you know, somewhat skewed. I think what their secondary does is they don't give up a ton of big plays. They, they somewhat get dinked and dimed, you know, a little bit um, where, you know, people kind of just complete short passes and, you know, kind of just move the ball that way. So I think they make you, they make you earn every passing yard. They're not giving up, you know, 20 yard bombs or, you know, 50 yard bombs. They're making you have to, you know, somewhat put a drive together to really, you know, make it, make your work your while. But in the end, you know, I think, I think the Bulldogs, I'm going with the Bulldogs on this one, Tennessee, you know, fantastic team, great offense, but I don't think they faced a, a secondary, you know, like the like the Bulldogs here. You know, Tennessee. I, I think this would be a different different ball game, or we'd be talking a totally different story if Tennessee was playing, you know, at their place. But because they're going up against a stout Georgia defense and they're on the road, this is their first true, real big road test. I think Georgia, you know, shows what they can do, and you know, uh, shows that committee that they deserve to be that that number one team. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, Tennessee's averaging 49 points per game. Georgia's averaging close to them, though. They're at 42. Georgia, though, is only giving up 11 points per game to Tennessee, giving up 21. Yeah. Something's going to have to give here. And Georgia's shown last year and now this year as well that this defense isn't what's going to be what what gives. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, I, I think that defense is going to carry the day. And we're, I guess we're uh, all going – five of the same picks well, this week. I guess week. I'm not making up We're any making ground this Yeah, week. nobody's making up any ground. We're all going to stand pat here, yeah, but so, uh but no, right. some exciting, you know, exciting football, a lot of, you know, a lot of playoff implications here, you know, playoff rankings moving up or down, you know, in the rankings. So we'll see uh and we'll see, you know, whichever one wins that game, we'll see where they, you know, where they shake right, out of the next, you know, the next uh, right, or how the loser shakes out. Yeah, you know? how far they drop. Right. Obviously, the team that wins is going to be number 1. I mean, I don't think if you either one of these two teams gets blown out. I don't think you can sit there and say, oh, they got blown out and they still stay in the top four. I mean, I'm not saying that they drop all the way to like 10 or anything like mm-hmm. that, but I think if this game is close either way, I could see one of the, the loser staying somewhat in that top four. But if, you know, either one of these two teams gets blown, absolutely blown out, I'd see one of them dropping, you know, out of that top four. So. Yeah, I, th- I think if the SEC wants to look for a possible three teams in, into the playoff, you know, the, the winner of this then would have to lose the championship to Alabama. Right. That would have them all with one loss. Right. All in the mix. And you know, somewhat have lost picture. to each other yeah. or, you know, whatever. Yeah. In we, close game. Close right. Game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's all we got for you for the week. Uh, we'll let Colton do the honor signing us out. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cal, Chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you're going to hear other topics for future episodes or just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social media platforms. We got an Instagram, which is fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook. If you search for fired up comma sports podcast. And as always, you can head over to our website as well, um, which is www.firedup1.podbean.com. We can find a little bit of information about the show and um, all of our, all of our past episodes and even this episode as well. But if you want to, you know, listen to our listen to our show, you can find us on all the different podcast platforms. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So pretty much anywhere where you can find, you know, listen to podcasts, you can find our show. So appreciate you listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.